1 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 21. As we read the word of the Lord this morning, I will warn you that this text will be difficult for some this morning. So, I want you to put your faith on. It's not difficult because of how challenging it is, but I think it's difficult because of how good it is. The word of the Lord, the Apostle Paul writing to the Corinthian church, 1 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 21, So then let no one boast in men, for all things belong to you. Whether Paul or Apollos or Cephas, or the world, or life, or death, or things present, or things to come. All things belong to you. And you belong to Christ. And Christ belongs to God. That's a good word this morning, isn't it? Father, I thank you for the presence of the Holy Spirit in this place. I ask that you would come and visit us with power this morning. And I ask that as I deliver the word which you have laid upon my heart, that you would speak to the heart of every one of your people in a way that is unique to the circumstance of their life. I ask you to glorify your name among us this morning and to make this word real and powerful to each of us. I ask that in Jesus' name, let the church say amen. Amen. You may be seated in the house of the Lord this morning. Can you handle the truth? That's a line from an old movie, right? You can't handle the truth. But I want to know this morning, can you, Kingsway Church, handle the truth? The Apostle Paul writes to the Corinthians, and he uses this phrase twice in this text. And that's going to be the subject of this message this morning, all things belong to you. Can you say that with me? All things belong to me. Now, I told you this was going to be a difficult text for some of you. And it is a difficult text because it is hard to believe that all things could be ours. Maybe that is difficult to believe because some of you are thinking, well, if all things are mine, then why don't I have them? If all things are ours, then why have I not experienced all of the blessing of God in my life, but I want to lay before you the Word of God and challenge you to believe God and to take Him at His Word this morning. Is that a fair trade? I want to give you an opportunity to hear simply what Scripture says and decide with your heart and in your faith that you will believe God. I believe this morning if I had said most things are yours, that most of you in here would say amen. If I said a lot of things are yours, you might agree with that as well. But the statement is, all things are yours. All things belong to you. This is difficult for the flesh to accept or to comprehend because of the word all. And the word all in the Greek, you know what it means? All. It's a real deep word that means everything, all. And it has this word uh, for our text this morning. 
Now, there's two things about this text I want you to understand. First of all, when Paul says all things are yours, he's talking about all things being ours in Christ. Because you and I are in Christ, then all the things that belong to Christ belong to us. All that belongs to Jesus, and all that is his as a reward of his suffering at the cross, is ours. But here's the thing. First of all, this comes to us as a revelation from God. We, need, we, we have to see this in the Spirit. It has to be revealed to us by, by, uh, by the Holy Spirit in order for us to be able to retain the idea that all things belong to us. We have to come to a place where we recognize that this is something that I can't see in the natural. I have to see it in my spirit man. I have to see it by the vision of the Spirit of God working on the inside of my life. Listen to what Jeremiah 33, 3 says. It says, call upon me and I will answer you. And I will show you great and mighty things which you do not know. And then verse 6 says, and I will bring to you health and healing and I will heal them and I will reveal to them my abundance. He says, I will, if you call upon me, I will answer you, I will show you great and mighty things which you don't know, and I will reveal to you the abundance of my provision for your life. You see, this comes as an act of God's will, where he pulls back the curtain and he shows a man or woman all that was done and accomplished by Jesus Christ at the cross. And I dare say this morning that many in the church today have yet to even have the slightest glimpse of the reality of the great, enormous, and insurmountable provision of the Lord Jesus Christ. The next thing you need to realize is not only does this come by revelation, but this is, comes by faith. The Bible says that it is impossible to please God without faith. And so in order for you and I to come to a place where we can believe that all things are ours, then we have to have a spirit of faith. We have to acknowledge that this is something that God does, not something that man does. Now this, this morning I challenge you to lock in to this word because uh, the enemy would fight you in every way from having insight into the fact that everything that belongs to Christ belongs to you. Imagine what happens in the life of a child who grows up knowing Jesus and knowing that everything that belongs to Christ belongs to them. That child's life is going to be an incredible blessing. What happens in the life of a teenager who, did, who realizes that everything that they need in order to fulfill the purpose of God has already been provided by Jesus Christ at the cross. That teenager is a force to be reckoned with in the kingdom of darkness. Do I have any of those young people in the house of God this morning? What about what happens in the life of a man or a woman who comes to terms with the fact that every single thing that Jesus died for on the cross belongs to them as an inheritance from the Almighty God. Friend, that person, that man, that woman, prays prayers of authority. They pray prayers of faith. They have a faith that is not dominated by circumstances because they come to know the truth of this word. When you come to know that all things belong to you, 
You will begin to dream again. You will begin to say, hey, there is a better day in my future. You will begin to smile at tomorrow rather than frown. Friend, if your best days you think are behind you, I want you to know that in Christ all things are yours. Can I get an amen in the house of the Lord this morning? So within this word, all, say all, three letters in English, one small word. In this word is the revelation of God's full and abundant provision for your life. Within this word is an inventory of the believer's full inheritance. I don't know if you know this this morning, but you are an heir of God and a joint heir with Jesus. And this word all is the inventory of that inheritance. These simple words, all things belong to you. They remind us, they convey to us the title deed of God's entire estate in which he gives to the children of faith every one of his precious promises. All encompasses all the things that Christ did at the cross, past, present, and future. All means that everything that the Holy Spirit is doing and will do in the world belongs to us. All means that all of the power of the Word of God, all of the truth of the, of the, of the Scriptures, all of the promises of God are yes and amen to those who will believe. Is there anyone this morning who will believe God? I'll just tell you, I don't need all of you. I just need about 10 of you who will catch this revelation and we will turn this city upside down. Can I get some faith in the house of God? You say, Pastor, I'm struggling with this. I know you are because you're looking at me like a deer in the headlights. Saying, what do you mean all things belong to me? And, and we struggle with that in our flesh because it is a hard thing. For our flesh to, to conceive of. But I want you to flip into the spirit. And see what the word of God says. Romans chapter 8 verse 32 says this. He who did not spare his own son. But, but, but delivered him over for us all. How will he also not give us all things? Did you see that? He said God did not withhold his own son. So how will he not with Christ Freely give us all things. Say all things. Romans chapter 8 verse 28 says this. You know it. We know that God causes all things. Let's try that again. God causes all things to work together for our good. For those who are loved of God and are called according to his purpose. Here's what I want you to see is that when difficulties come into your life, you need to smile at them because they are a servant from God to bring you into the full blessing of God in your life. And so you might see it as a challenge, but God says, wait a little while. I'm going to turn that thing around and I will make it become a blessing in your life and I will make it something upon which you can stand and stand taller. All things, he says, he causes to work together for our good. One of my favorite stories is a missionary in the Czech Republic who was born with his eyes crossed. 
You can imagine growing up as a child and a teenager, this was a very um, embarrassing situation for him. He lived constantly under ridicule, and he became a preacher. He became a missionary, but he always had that, that um, complex of inferiority because of the condition in his eyes. And then the Russians tried to hypnotize him so he wouldn't preach anymore, and they couldn't hypnotize him because his eyes were crossed. And that day he realized that God causes all things to work together for our good for those who are the called of God according to his purpose come on somebody I'm talking about your life you thought that that flat tire was was a, a setback but God said I was just keeping you out of greater trouble you thought the power being out this morning was a real problem but God said no I've got another plan I will cause all things to work together for your good for my glory Genesis 24 Verse 1, it says, now Abraham was old and advanced in age. I don't see any old people in here this morning. He was old and advanced in age, and the Bible said that God blessed him in all things. Can you chew on that for a second? The Lord blessed him in every way. Physical, spiritual, financial, relational, Every aspect of his life knew the full blessing of God. Deuteronomy 4, 7 tells us that God was near to Israel in all things. When they were hungry, he fed them. When they were thirsty, he gave them drink. When they were faced down by the enemy, he stood up as a standard against them. Can I tell you today that God is near you in all things? Whether you are on the mountaintop or the valley, our God is present in all things. You were in a hospital room, but God was there. You were in a jail cell, but God was there. You were at the end of your rope, but God was there. Come on, somebody. Give God praise for his omnipresent help in the time of trouble. He was near me in all things. I will cry to the Lord, said the psalmist, Psalm 57, verse 12, for it is the Lord who accomplishes all things for me. Second Peter chapter 1, verse 3, it says, His divine power has granted to us all things pertaining to life and godliness. Think about that. The, the power of Christ has given to us all the things needed for us to live and to live a godly life. That's why you can't come to me and say, Pastor, you know, I I'm a liar. I've been a liar my whole life. I can't change that. I have a bad temper, Pastor. That's just who I am. And the people around me are just going to have to get used to it. Pastor, uh, I just can't break this habit. You know, friend, there is a power working within the believer to break every single chain and every form of bondage. Come on. And I'm talking to you this morning. He says, I've already given you what it takes, what you need in order to live a godly life. I told you we were going to have difficulty with this text. Maybe you remember this one, Philippians 4.13. I can do some things. I can do most things. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Come on, somebody. If you believe that, give God some praise in his house this morning. And then the Apostle Paul adds and he says, 
all of the promises of God in Christ Jesus are yes and amen. Say it with me. Yes and amen. One more time. Yes and amen. Can I have a job that meets my needs? Yes and amen. Can I be healed? Yes and amen. Can I be free from drug addiction? Yes and amen. Can I have the blessing of God on my marriage? Yes and amen. Come on somebody. Give God praise for the full provision of his son Jesus Christ. Yes and amen. Now notice he says Paul and Apollos and Cephas belong to you. Who are they? Well, they were the big name preachers of the day. Paul was the founder of the, I was about to say Kingsway Church of Corinth, but uh, pardon me, Lord. I have to answer to Paul for that. Paul was the founder of the church at Corinth. Prophesy, Isaac, prophesy. Apollos was the most articulate preacher of the day. When he preached, people swooned at his ability to move the words. Cephas was the name that we know as of a man named Peter who was the, the leader of the, the early church, the preacher at Pentecost. And Paul says, the preachers belong to you. Often we think, well, I belong to this church or that, or I belong to that pastor. But the fact is, the Lord says that they belong to you. They have been sent by God to serve you. What is it that belongs to you, friend? Every promise preached from every pulpit pertains to you. I want somebody to say amen. I spend 52 weeks a year in the pulpit, and what do I preach to you? I preach to you the good word of God. I preach to you the promises of God. I preach to you the power of God, and every single word belongs to you. Every promise belongs to you. Every challenge belongs to you. Come on, somebody. The word of God belongs to you. Here's the question. What's the point? of sitting under preaching every Sunday and then going out and not living the word of God that's been spoken over your life. What's the point? What's the point of running around town getting prophetic words and getting a pastor to slay you in the spirit if you're going to go back and live the way you were used to living? Come on, somebody. I'm talking about that that word belongs to you so you can live it, so you can put it into practice. When I listen to my students preach, I sit and I take notes. Why would you do that, Pastor? I'll tell you why. Because it's not the fact that they're my student that I might say, well, everything they know I taught them. But the, the reality is that what's coming out of their mouth is the word of God and that word belongs to me. And they might have seen something in there that I didn't see and I am sitting at the table saying, Lord, whoever the messenger is, feed me. I want your word to come into my life and transform it. Now this, this, was, a, this was quite a little while ago, but you know when I first arrived here, some people had what I call a mania. You know what a mania is? It's, you just have to know. It's a bad habit. And so they would drive by the church, and if the pastor wasn't in the, if my car wasn't in the pastor's spot, they kept driving. Mania. That's a mania. 
You know, you say, well, if pastor's not preaching, I'm not going to go to church today. If, if the pastor isn't there, I'm not going to go. Can I tell you, friend, it doesn't matter who's standing in this pulpit. If they have an open Bible and the word of God, that word is for you. And it belongs to you. The old hymn says every promise in the book is mine. Every chapter, every verse, every line. I am standing on the word divine. Every promise in the book is mine. Oh, if I could just get Beville to believe that the word of God belongs to you. When you go into prayer, go with your hands full of the promises of God. For every promise of God belongs to you. The crowds left Jesus when he began to preach about self-sacrifice. They began to abandon him in droves. Peter looked to his disciples and he said to them, Jesus looked to his disciples and he said to them, will you leave me as well? Will you leave me also? And Peter spoke up and he said, where can we go, Lord? Only you have the words of life. Lord, we have nowhere else to go. That's why you stuck around this morning. You came to the house of God. Things were, things were looking a little dark, but you knew there's something that I need from God. I've got to have the word. Where can I go? Oh, friend, that, that is, uh, leads us to know that Peter knew what you and I need to know, that God's word is everything. If it's in God's word, it belongs to me. And another occasion, Peter fished all night, and then Jesus said to him, after he had cleaned up his boat and his nets, Jesus said to him, cast your net on the other side of the boat. And he said, Lord, we have fished all night and taken nothing, nevertheless, at your word. He understood that if the word of God was on it, that it belonged to him. A servant, a, a, a centurion came to Jesus and he said to him, my servant is greatly tormented at home. Jesus said, take me to him. I will heal him. He said, no, Lord, I'm not worthy for you to enter into my house. Only give the word and my servant will be healed. Do you know that that Roman understood better than many Christians the fact that all things belong to us and that if God has put his word upon it, that that word is absolutely true. He says, Paul and Apollos and Cephas are yours. And then he says something still more difficult to believe. He says, the world is yours. Tell your neighbor, the world is ours. Now, see, I could tell some of you didn't believe that. Said, the world is ours. The world is yours. What does that mean, Pastor? That means that all of the resources that are in the world that you and I need to fulfill God's dream for our life belongs to us. All of the resources of God in his world are at our disposal for fulfilling his purpose in our life. The skills you will need to achieve greatness are yours. The job you will need to provide for your family is yours. The house that you need to live in to have a roof over your head is yours. The clothes you wear is yours. College and schooling for your kids is yours. Safety and protection is yours. The entire world and all of its resources are at the hands of the people of God. But you see so many times we sit like orphans just waiting for somebody to drop a blessing on us. Can I get you to know 
know that you are the blessing, that you are blessed. You are blessed going in and you are blessed going out. You are blessed in the city and blessed in the field. Come on, Kingsway. You are the blessed of the Lord. The world and all of its resources are yours. Will you use them for the glory of God? I heard once a man had a dream. He said he went into heaven and they were giving him a tour. And he walked by a door that had his name on it. And the angel said, let's keep walking. He said, no, I want to know. That door has my name on it. I want to go in there and find out what that's about. He said, no, you don't want to see that. He said, yes, I do. It has my name on it. I want to know. So they opened the door. And in there was all of this warehouse of glorious things that had been provided for him. And he said, what is this? These are the things I've been wanting in my life. And the, the angel said, yes, but you never asked for them. You never laid claim to them. They never became yours. They're yours, church. But you have to lay claim to them by faith. You've got to get up and go and do the thing that God has called you to do. And then he says, life is yours. Jesus said the thief came to steal, kill, and destroy. But I have come that you may have life. And that more abundantly. Abundant life is mine. Abundant life is yours. You and I, as believers, do not have to live a life that we just tolerate. Now, I told you you were going to have a hard time believing this. But it's not Pastor Isaac's word. It's God's word. Jesus said, I have come that you might have life and that you might have it more abundantly. This abundant life is ours. If we don't experience it, it's because we don't activate it in our life. You see, you can't disregard the, the word of God and the law of God and then expect the abundance and provisions of God's word. This is a system. It works together. You have to do what God has commanded and commissioned of you to do. And when you do those things, there will be a steady flow of God's blessing and provision into your life. It could be that you are stopping up the flow of that because you're not living the way God requires for you to live. But friend, for every single believer, abundant life is not only a hope, but it is a possibility and a reality if you will walk by faith and walk with God. 1 John chapter 5. Verse 13 says, these things I have written to you who believe in the, in the name of the Son of God so that you may know that you have eternal life. Not only is an abundant life mine, but eternal life is mine. Jesus said, he who believes in me, though he dies, yet he will live. He's talking about eternal life. You don't have to wait to die in order to have eternal life. You have eternal life the moment you confess Jesus Christ as your Lord. At that very moment, you are given eternal life. And then 1 Peter chapter 3, verse 10, it talks about a life that I love. You know that God wants you to have a life that you love? I told you you were going to have a hard time with this text. God wants you to have a life that you love. But you see, you have to be in Christ in order to enjoy that. In Christ, there is a life that you love. In Christ, there is a life that is full of God's gracious provision. 
Then Paul makes this statement even harder still to believe. And he says, death is yours. Now you're going to get quiet. Death is yours. Life is yours, but so is death. Pastor, I don't understand that. Can I just tell you, friend, that death itself is your servant and mine. For the believer, death is not a danger, but death is a bridge to eternal life. And so when you and I are faced with the door of death, we need not fear because death itself belongs to us. You know that on the cross, Jesus could not, uh, death could not take Christ until he himself gave up the spirit. Jesus himself summoned death on the cross. It was his servant and he conquered death once and for all so that you and I could have eternal life and abundant life and so that you and I could have resurrection life as well and that you and I could have no fear of death. Jesus took the sting out of death. He took the very bite and sting out of death itself so that the scripture says, Oh death, where is your victory? Oh grave, where is your sting? The blood of Jesus has taken the bite and, sick and, and sting out of death. I have been at many deathbeds. It's part of the pastorate. I have seen two things. I have seen the peace that accompanies the death of the righteous. I have seen the stillness of the quiet hour. When they hang between heaven and earth and they realize that death is not their enemy but God's servant. But I have also been at the bedside of those who have no relationship with God. And I have seen the anxiety and the fear and the worry because to them death is a danger. To die without Christ, friend, is to die in eternal danger and to die eternally lost. And I pray that you will be one of those who at the hour of death, should Jesus come, should Jesus not come before then, that you can find the peace of God in knowing that death is yours. That even death itself cannot harm you. Then he says, the present is yours. The now the here, the today, belongs to you. Tomorrow you can't, you can't change yet. It's not here yet. Yesterday you can't change. It's gone. What you have is today. Today you have an opportunity to live for God. Today you have an opportunity to give your heart to Christ. Today you have an opportunity to use the resources that God has in your life. And can I just tell you this? That right now, today, you have everything you need in order to do the will of God. If, if there was anything lacking in your life, God would provide it. But everything you need right now to do the will of God is already in your life. Listen to what the prophet Nathan told David. He said to David, he said, David, God gave you your master's house and he gave you the whole house of Israel. And if it had been too little, he would have given you much more. Think of that. God said to him, David, if you need it any more than you have right now, you would have it. Can I tell you today that contentment is yours? 
You can enjoy all the fullness of what God has provided to you right now. Many people, many Christians in, in particular, do not enjoy the full blessing of God because they're too busy worrying about what they don't have, that they don't celebrate what they do have. And instead of, instead of uh, 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 complaining about not having a ribeye steak, thank God for the, for the chorizo and eggs that you had this morning. All things belong to you. And then he says the things to come, the future, the places that God has called you to go and to build, they belong to you. Our new facility belongs to us. The missionaries that will go forth from this house to the nations belong to us. Come on, I need some faith in the house of God to believe that the souls of this city belong to the church of Jesus Christ. The harvest belongs to us. Healing belongs to us. Miracles belong to us. Holiness belongs to us. Righteousness belongs to us. Peace and joy belong to us. And we have them all in full in Christ. So I have a question for you today. Are you in Christ? Do you belong to Christ? For you see, friend, the only way to enjoy the richness of this text is to be in Christ. The way that Noah and his family were in the ark, you must be in Christ. The way that the Hebrew children were in the house, during the night of the Passover, you have to be in Christ. I don't mean in the church. I don't mean in the pew. I don't mean a member of a small group. All of those things are great and they're good, but they don't make you a Christian. What makes you a Christian is simple faith in Jesus Christ. And when you're in him, all that is his becomes yours. If you're outside of him, then none of what's his becomes yours. I close with this story. A very wealthy man had died and left a great estate. His condition on the, in the will was that the estate would be auctioned to the highest bidder. The man had had a son who was very sickly and he had died many years before. And when all the people had gathered for the auction, the first thing that was up for bid was the portrait of that little boy. It wasn't painted by any great artist. It wasn't a very great treasure. And the people thought, this is strange. Why would you begin with that? It's not even a good likeness. The, bid, the, the, the auctioneer began to call for the bids, and he said, this is the first item. It is the portrait of the estate owner's son. None of those who had gathered would take possession of that painting. Finally, the groundskeeper raised his hand, 
And he said, I don't have much money, but I'll give you the few dollars I have for the portrait of that boy. He said, when that boy was sick, I cared for him. And he means the world to me. It would be an honor to possess the portrait of the son. The auctioneer signaled that the man had bought this portrait. And then he said, ladies and gentlemen, that is the end of the auction. There was outrage among those who had come and said, but we haven't bid on the most valuable things. He said, according to the will, whoever possesses the son shall possess the entire estate. And that groundskeeper became the owner and possessor of all things because he possessed the Son. Can I tell you today that in the kingdom of God, whoever possesses the Son shall possess the entire kingdom of God. What will you do with Jesus? That is the eternal question. What will you do with Jesus? The Bible said that Jesus Christ died on the cross once and for all. He died for sinners. He died to forgive us of our sin. And with his blood, he cleanses and washes away all of our iniquity. If we'll put our faith and trust in him, there's no condition there is no requirement. There is no prerequisite. It is absolute, unconditional love provided by the blood of Jesus Christ. But you have to make a decision in your heart to believe, to accept Him as your Savior. And if you will possess Christ, my friend, you will possess all things. For you see, if you have Christ, though you have not a house, you always have a home. If you have Christ, though you have no bread, you shall always have the bread of life. If you have Christ, you'll never thirst again in your spirit. In Christ, you'll have the peace of God which surpasses knowledge. And today, he says, I want you to belong to me. He calls to your heart and he says, you are the one I have loved with an everlasting love. And he says, come unto me. Are you tired of sinning? Are you wearied of the world? You've tried it the world's way and it failed you. He says, come to me and live. Come to me and live. Now Paul wraps it up and he says, you belong to Christ and Christ belongs to God. If you belong to Christ, then you belong to God. Say it one more time. All things belong to me. Would you stand with me, please, in the house of the Lord this morning? Almighty God, I pray this morning that you would bring conviction of sin and of wrath and of judgment that you would cause every person in this room to be conscious of the eternal question. That there might be a decision made in someone's heart this morning to say yes to Christ and no to the world. I pray that the great 
revelation of this provision will be made abundantly clear. The heart of faith would rise up in that man or woman that they might acknowledge that today is a day of salvation, that, that this is an important, eternal opportunity. I ask you to rescue them out of sin and shame and error and darkness and bring them into the light. I ask you to do that in Jesus' name.